Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. We're your host, oh. Shelby and Matt. Lemon, what you Lemon, doing this for? Diesel, Diesel, and you're the uh, Diesel. Thomas. I knew there was a Diesel lurking around this podcast. Oh, I no, did. I knew there was something suspicious oh, they on this the train. People for the Portugal job. <laughs> oh my gosh! Remember when you put his, the bloody stump down in the wood chipper? Blood was spraying all over me jacket. Hated it. Really. Uh, Embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, we sound like the beginning of Taylor Swift's uh, London Boy, so. Oh, gosh. You want to really go riding around in my scooter? Sco- ah! I'm done, done. But that, that, <laughs> that is, is a, That is Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yeah. yes. Yeah, so. An actual So clip. we're, yeah. A lot of people get us confused for British people because our yeah. accents are so good. Impeccable. But we are actually not. From We're Britain. not British. We're from innit, the US. Innit, innit right? Innit We're right. just mm-hmm. US trash. <laughs> Crazy. Oh man, Bullet Train. Uh, Bullet Train is a movie that takes place in uh, Japan, but features a lot of white people. <laughs> yes. Um... And Brits. So. Which, yes, I would like to talk about that at some point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not to get ahead of the but ahead of it. Yes, we're covering Bullet Train this week. This was a action sort of thriller starring Comedy. Brad Pitt and a bunch of other famous people. Yes. Um, it, 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 I feel like it came out fairly uh, without a lot of fanfare. Was this just oh, me? Yeah. I. I did not hear very much about this, despite having, you know, I guess not like a lot of A-listers, but a lot of, I, I mean, think, yeah. like like Joey King. Um, Brad Pitt, obviously. Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson, who is in Kick-Ass and has been in some other things. Brian Tyree Henry, who I feel like has been on the come up for a while. Yeah. Uh, he was in Atlanta. He was in Eternals this year. Yeah. Um, Michael Shannon. Who is a you know a famous character actor? Zazie Beetz, also from Atlanta. Oh, I didn't realize that both of them. Logan Lerman was in it. Like a lot of um, Sandra Bullock pops. Sandra up Bullock, there. Channing Tatum briefly. Channing Tatum, Ryan Reynolds Hello, briefly. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of big name stars and a fairly like buzzy, I think easily marketable idea, and yet for whatever reason they did not push this as hard as I thought they. would could have um yeah i, I mean I just, i've I seen some it because it, it filmed during covid so it hasn't had like a long shelf life so maybe we're not used to those sort of i don't know because i i feel like i saw it at almost every movie i went to the trailer for it um i don't know what more they could have done i guess it's my point Maybe I'm just somehow like i mean i guess i don't see that many movies in theaters theaters oh, anymore yeah, yeah, yeah. um but also, I haven't seen a lot of social media stuff about it, but maybe yeah. I'm just not following the right people. Yeah, it's it's a film that was made. Uh, I yeah, I didn't really want to watch this. That's why I was pushing for bodies, bodies, bodies. But bodies, bodies, bodies decided it did not want to come out in Houston until next week. I don't know why. Um, and so we were forced to do this one. I say forced. It wasn't like that bad. It wasn't miserable, but it just feels kind of like. I I guess I'm saying that the lack of marketing or kind of energy in promoting this film is probably because it feels pretty like derivative. Um, it's just like your class. I don't know. It comes from the mind of. I mean, it's based on a Japanese novel, graphic novel, I think. A Japanese novel uh, featuring a lot of Japanese characters that don't uh, make the cut here. Um, and <laughs> it's basically just a two hour long train ride. 
that features a lot of assassins running into each other and getting in each other's business and killing each other. Um, it's played for laughs. It's very shiny, very uh, stunt heavy. Um, and so it's like it has all the pieces that make like an entertaining film. But if it's not a style of film you're interested in, then it makes sense why this only got like 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, had like an average score of like, oh, you know, it's fine. B minus type. Um, it just doesn't feel like it's special in a way, like especially looking at the pedigree that the creators brought to this. Like this is from um, David Leach. Yeah, David Leach. Who's David done Leach. a bunch of the um, John Wick movies. Yeah. And he did Hobbs and Shaw. He was the director of. He did Atomic yeah. Blonde. So he's done a bunch of things. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is he actually got his start in Hollywood as a stunt coordinator and was on set for Fight Club. And they realized he looked close enough to Brad Pitt that he became Brad Pitt's stunt man on that film and then followed Brad Pitt as his stunt man through most of Brad Pitt's big movies like Mr. and Ms. Smith and all this. So it is like an interesting story for him. Um, that he's now had this full circle moment to now direct Brad Pitt and to say that Brad Pitt did most of his stunts in this film. Um, so <laughs> congrats to him. Student has become the master. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I guess I just like walked away being like, okay. You know? Are you there? <laughs> yes. That was it? You walked away saying okay? Yes. I thought you were going someplace with No, that. that's how I felt. It was just like I mean, you're the you're the action lover. Did you feel like yes. this was bubbly, fun, good enough to keep your energy high? Like I had thoughts? a lot of fun in this movie. I okay. thought this was a good time because um, it's all of these assassins who are on this train together and it's, but it's different than like a John Wick. Um, uh, I think it's three where it's sort of like, they're all trying to kill one person. They're all yeah. there for kind of different reasons and doing different things that all end up being somewhat connected, but in different ways. And so they're all on this train and keep sort of like interacting with each other in different ways. They're trying to kill different people on the train. Um, so I felt like I was pretty entertained the entire time. Um, I liked all of the actors that they had. I thought that the character work was funny. Like um, Brad Pitt's character is like an assassin who is trying to kind Ladybug. of like, yes, his name is Ladybug, who's sort of like has gone through a few like self-help seminars and is trying to like, you know, become a better person. So while he's there on this job, he's also like, you know, giving out self-help tips and stuff to the other people on the, on the train um, and I, I liked the different fight scenes. I feel like we don't have that many train movies, really. So I thought that there was some interesting um, types of choreography and stunts that they could do here. This reminded me a little bit of Extraction, which is also directed by stunt directors turned movie directors where there is like, I think, just a lot of kind of clever action scenes throughout it. Um I will say that I think so the it's definitely a fun action movie and I like the character work. I like the sort of like images and it's very fun and bright and the costumes are fun and you know that sort of thing. Um I think that as like a thriller with a twist that you're supposed to kind of at the end um be sort of surprised by or think that it's kind of smart. I think that it's a little convoluted and confusing for that like when we got to the final end and they were putting all the pieces together i was like i don't like yeah it took uh, a like, long time yeah like i don't really know what's happening so i thought that the end wasn't necessarily as strong as they would like it to be but i also didn't think the end was bad it just yeah. wasn't like as good as i think the rest of the movie i think the first half of the movie is much stronger yeah. and then the last like 30 minutes is a little bit like meh but yeah i really enjoyed it I thought as far as action movies, it was fun. As far as like an original concept for a movie, it was fun, especially since, you know, my complaint is always like, 
with the Fast and the Furious movies and the Mission Impossible movies and a bunch of, and you know, just action movies in general, we're seeing the same type of thing rehashed. I mean, the superhero movies over and over and over again. And I thought that this was like a very refreshing idea. I like the assassins I- energy. I like that it's on the train. I can think of like five train movies if you're interested. What train movie? There's like the Liam Neeson one. There's the Jane. There's the um, Jake Gyllenhaal one. There's the well. So uh, like, yeah. I guess like yes. Like Source Code. I love Source Code. Is that the Jake oh, Gyllenhaal yeah, yeah, train yeah. one? Um, and I've seen the Liam Neeson one. I think that this just has like this is more of a martial artsy kind yeah, of movie. And so yeah. the like fight scenes on the train are more entertaining where source code isn't really like an action action movie and that's about a train blowing up okay i see i just wanted to clarify for the audience that there are train movies yes i mean like murder (laughs) on the orient express yeah there's that one is a good train movie yeah but i guess i mean like train action yeah yeah and i feel like most action movies that are on trains involve people like walking on top of the train fighting each other we love a good train top where this didn't even really have that scene there were a few people on top of the train that got smushed but yes yes uh not not any of the main players um yeah i guess my main complaint was this is i liked that it didn't take itself too seriously it was having a lot of fun yes but it does take too long to get to its final it's a little long it's a little long could, could have trimmed like 30 minutes easily and i think it got a lot like like honestly the joey king scenes where she's like there was a lot that i think they could have just like tightened up that like last stop almost yes. and just stopped with the monologuing and just trusted the audience to care as much as they needed to in the genre that this was. <laughs> how it starts is that the train is full of people and then there's also all these assassins and then sort of as the movie goes on, the assassins sort of get killed off, which I liked. Mm-hmm. And then the, train also empties because you find out later that the bad guy has actually bought all of the tickets on the train so the, so the only people left are these like couple assassins by the time it gets to the last stop but yeah that last little bit you have a couple people who you thought were dead who are coming back there's a there's a few like long speeches the Joey King character is there for too long she's <laughs> like I would say one of the least interesting of the assassins and yet yeah. um, and she's sort of interesting at the beginning but then once you've been with Just her too long yeah, she's doing the same shtick over and over again. So, yes, I think that the last, like, 40 minutes, maybe half hour of this could have been significantly reduced. Yeah, because I think when you look, for comparison's sake, at, like, John Wick, um, it's really not concerned with making sense, right? Like, it's, like, a guy who's trying to avenge his dog and gets in a little too deep. Yes. And so there's not much going for it except the fighting, and the fighting is enough. So this one, it was interesting that for the most part, I recognize that that's the draw and the appeal is these charismatic, funny people getting to beat each other up. Um, but then it just got really concerned with this messaging of like, oh, the fates, the stars have aligned, you're not unlucky, you're meant to be here and bring this about type thing. And so every character's like purpose began to feel a little bit over overdone um and i don't know what i would have wanted differently um because i think if there's nothing going on i also would have been like well what was the point with that but i think it just became a little bit too much to really like be like okay guys let's dial it back here you know yeah, I I had a lot of fun with this. Like, this is a movie that I feel like when we get to the end of our year rankings, like, will definitely be for me, like, in the top half, but doesn't, like, there's obviously flaws to it, yeah. but I did really like it, and I enjoyed watching it. Like, yeah. the experience of going to the theater, watching this movie, this was not a chore in any way. Um, and it's very I thought, stylistic. Yes, was very, like, like fun and interesting to watch in a world where lots of where I feel like in most movies I feel like I've seen it before you know some version and this I was like okay no this is like a fully like new kind of unique concept um that's interesting because I felt like like I guess on a technicality it's all new but it is just like oh, these people are being played and they don't even know it. And now they're actually helping this head honcho evil guy get his way. And they were 
pawn the whole time, but things go wrong. But actually, no, it was meant to be type thing. Well, I, I, I guess mean, like, I guess yeah. if you're describing like the broad arcs of the plot, then yeah. Yes, but I mean, when like assassins on a train, the all of the yeah, like it's very stylish. Um, I feel like honestly, even the the like we are all assassins trying to kill each other should be in more movies because I think that's a fun conceit and they don't use it nearly often enough. Um, or it's very serious, like Jason Bourne or yeah, or, or like Atomic um, Blonde. Uh, the what's the Quentin Tarantino movie where they're all in the room trying to kill each other? Um, oh yeah, I don't the Hateful remember. Eight. Yeah, like some of the yeah, I, I this just was like fun and popcorny to me until the end. But I I wonder. I feel like some of the issues with the movie maybe, and also some of the issues like sort of optically about the movie relate to the graphic novel because it's based on a graphic novel um a japanese graphic novel and then was adapted to this movie i think there was also a stage version which is an interesting Cute. thing to think about in japan but i wonder if wi- i wonder like which parts of the sort of story and all of the different characters and stuff and how it all clicks together came from the original book and so sort of are like um you know, like maybe needed to be cleaned up a little bit, but are from the original. So they kept them. And what parts were things that they came up with on their own? Yeah. I mean, for people who might not see it, let's just break it down a little bit. Cause you have yes. Brad Pitt at the heart of it, Lady Bur- Ladybug, who's feels like he's cursed and kind of unlucky and everything keeps going wrong for him in his jobs and his personal life. Um, and then at the same time, you have Tangerine and Lemon as perfectly uh, portrayed by us at the beginning of this episode. Yes. Um, they're brothers played by um, Aaron Taylor Johnson Aaron and Brian Taylor Tyree Johnson. Henry. Who? How do we know Aaron? Aaron Taylor Who? Johnson was in um, really Kick-Ass, I think, is originally what he was in. Oh. But then he was also in Nocturnal Animals. Um, okay. I think he was was maybe in some of the Avengers movies at some point. <laughs> okay, wow, well, yeah, I didn't recognize him, but I really liked. He's um, one of those people Brian who I feel one. like kind of looks like everybody. Yeah, and he has various facial hair in different things, so that also <laughs> is confusing. <laughs> An easy disguise. They were definitely the heart of the movie for me. Uh, uh, you know, these British blokes who are tasked with rescuing the White Deaths son who's this major crime boss in tokyo who kind of like stolen the tokyo mob taken over it he's this russian guy and so they have his son and a suitcase with millions of dollars in it and their job is to get it to kyoto or wherever they're going um meanwhile ladybug's job is to get the suitcase for some unknown reason and then they run into a series of casts the other time and up in first class there is another assassin oh man this is starting to you could feel the convolutedness but she has lured another assassin to the train and is holding his son hostage um after attempting to kill him to get him there in the first place. So her her role there is she wants to get to his boss, the White Death. But then she starts to realize that there are other assassins on the train. And so she, you know, in her I'm an innocent girl, you will never suspect me kind of way, starts gleaning all this information, making all these moves, making yeah. a mess of everything. And so that's all happening while ladybug is like attempting to survive a series of events he never anticipated on this easy job well yeah it's it all gets very like oh, yeah. sort of <laughs> muddled yeah. as these people are interacting but the basic premise is like lemon and tangerine have a suitcase that ladybug is trying to get a bunch of other people are also trying to get the suitcase and then the joey king character has like a separate sort of beef going on that is yeah. Because she didn't even know about the suitcase. Yes. She just happened to find out. And yeah. But she ends up being tied in 
to it as well. And it's all sort of connected to this mob boss story about Michael Shannon, like killing the, this Japanese mob family and taking over instead and sort of the various people who are mad at him for different reasons. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's complicated. Yeah. And I feel like it doesn't really help us very much to talk about it in spoilery terms because it's so <laughs> confusing anyways. And also it's more fun if you just, if you haven't watched it to just go watch it. I oh, think. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. For you know? sure. I don't know. Okay, well, uh, this is a great episode. Um, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, do you have other, do you have things about the actual, like... Mm, yeah, well, I guess, okay, so, yeah, Bad Bunny pops up. About? Bad Bunny pops up. He's one of the assassins. He has, the thing this movie does is that, what is this, what is this style from? But it's like, it has title cards when a new character introduces and it rewinds to show their character story. I feel like it reminded me of something, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember what. Do you have any? Yeah, I, comps? it does. It feels very graphic novelly. Like maybe yeah. I'm a, like I'm a, oh, oh, oh yeah, oh, kind of oh, like oh, Spider Verse. No, I was going to say, um, what's the movie where, um, oh, it's the guy and he has like seven ex girlfriends. Um, oh, yeah, the Scott Pilgrim. Yes, yeah, Scott Pilgrim. I feel like that's what it feels like. Because doesn't Scott Pilgrim do that kind of thing, thing too? Yes. Yes, but I don't know if it does the flashbacks, but yes, it does sort of the title card introductions. Yeah, it definitely has that like splashy, it's very stylistically done. So neon lights, lots of um, funny moments. I don't, it, it's like, it it's jumps back interesting and the way they do it. Yeah, because like Bad Bunny shows up and they're like, oh, <laughs> let's actually go back and look at his story. So then they yeah. rewind and go show his whole story and then he gets killed almost immediately yeah and, and then his body is yeah. just used for there's like a prop for the rest of the and movie they and do sort of the same way. thing for like a snake even and then a bottle of water which that felt a step too far honestly yeah they, they definitely were like we're just gonna do some fun <laughs> things yeah so it's, it's sort of in some ways doing like a little bit of an everything everywhere all at once like not nearly as well and not to no, 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 any kind of degree but in it's sort of like random deviances and just I different guess, like yeah. okay we're just gonna go into this like backstory of this random thing it does maybe yeah um so okay we're not gonna lay out the whole plot but should we talk about the ending because i'm curious how you felt about it i'm like sure. the final twist or whatever because, okay, twist? I guess it kind of ties which twist. <laughs> You're just like, say, I like the about ten of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess the whole, like, when it gets a little bit serious and it's like, it, it's kind of interesting because it ties into sort of the criticism of the film, which is this whitewashing aspect of kind of erasing the original Japanese characters to make room for mostly white, mostly American characters and actors. Um I guess not mostly American. Ladybug's the only American. And then there's, well, whatever. Anyways, yeah, the point I'm, is they're not like, Japanese. Brian Tyree Henry is. Yeah, they're British. Yeah, um, he's not British, but he's pretending to be British. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Joey King is uh, Russian. Uh, the White Death turns out, you know, he's Russian. So there's a variety. It's a very international flavor. Um, yes. But what was kind of interesting to me is that as they were getting criticism for whitewashing these roles and not making space for Japanese or Asian actors, um, the original author and then the filmmakers came out with this explanation that were like, oh, well, they're just fictional characters, so it could be any man, whatever. But then on top of it, they were saying that, well, actually, if you think about it, the heart of this movie is about this three-generation Japanese family, and they're the ones who get their happy ending in the end. Like, it all culminates for them. So, technically, it is a Japanese-centric film. And I felt that was interesting, one, because it does feel like kind of a cop-out to be like, oh, well, if you look at the, you know, three least interesting characters in this movie, they are technically Japanese, and they all do technically survive. Um but that is sort of the linchpin of the, I don't know what you want to call it, theme or heart of the movie, which is that these 
these fathers show up to help their sons and you know one is just the child who's in the hospital who's being protected then the other is this father who feels like he failed his son in the assassination attempt on him and is trying to get redemption and then he's got you know outsmarted by joey king for a minute but then his father shows up to help him and it turns out his father had been at odds with the white death through their whole life whatever blah 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 so do you feel like that as an element stood out to you as like oh this is so moving or this is so um interesting or or was it just kind of a forgotten Um, (laughs) piece of the story i mean i definitely so i didn't read the novel obviously so i don't know what to what extent this has been revamped at all as far as the plot lines go um i do sort of like the internationaliness of this movie like i think it's fun that it's all of these people like you know from different countries who are sort of um on this train together um and that they've come from all of these different places and have like very different like visual styles and outfits and that kind of thing so i think from like a stylistic perspective it's fun if i would like if this movie was just you know like made out of nowhere um and not based on anything i think it's you know sort of fine um uh, how much like they whitewashed it and took roles away from other people i think is a different story um but i do think that even though obviously like i think part of the reason why the story about the family feels less significant to us as viewers is because they are not played by name um by like recognizable actors in the same way so at least for me, like when I'm watching a movie or a TV show, if it's an actor that I know, I'm immediately keyed into them and like more um, focused on what they're doing than if it's someone who I don't know. I think just because of like visual kind of cues and um, like, oh, well, this is a person I know, so they must be like important or the role must be interesting in some way. So I think the fact that like the Japanese family were actors who I wasn't aware of made me sort of think that they were less important, but I do think that their storyline is sort of the emotional center of the movie. Like there's not really any other kind of um, connection between people. I mean, I guess the lemon and tangerine uh, brothers, like (laughs) their relationship is to each other essential, but like, Brad Pitt doesn't have any relationships with anybody. Most of the other assassins don't. And there's sort of a twist at the end with the Joey King character, but that I feel like is sort of so late and kind of an afterthought yeah. that it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so I can see like that they are the center of the drama. And also really since they're connected to the Russian mob storyline, like they're the ones who are tied into all of these different pieces. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, it's not like, this isn't a movie like, um, you know, where they just like took the whole thing and were like, we're going to make it all white people and set it in, you know, yeah. Maryland or whatever, which I feel like is a version that we have seen before in things like whatever that Scarlett Johansson um, <laughs> yeah. graphic novel movie was. But they definitely did take roles from other people um but i also don't know if this would have gotten made if they had just like i don't know if it's a big enough property separately that if as that a studio would have made but then it also doesn't seem like the studio put very much money into this anyway so (laughs) i don't know Um, yeah yeah i mean their you know their explanation was that oh you'll be surprised to find out the plot pretty much kind of is about these japanese characters and we were all really aware and wanted to make it super inclusive and international. And yeah, while whitewashing might seem like less offensive than, you know, blind, like color casting, like Aloha or, you know, James Franco or whatever. Um, it does just seem sort of like you look at the, the billing and it's just a lot of names before you get to any of the Asian characters. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I do appreciate that they kept it in, in Japan. Um, it felt like a very fresh and 
distinctive city and landscape and so all the like train scenes all the different like characters and most of it is set on this moving train but you get little glimpses here and there of like what was happening before and during and all that and i i liked that i guess i was mostly confused and i don't know if this was a whitewashed character but the white death i was like how did this happen i want the i want the origin story of how this russian dude ended up in the japanese mob like i what was going on there you know Yes, I also had that same question of like, that seems like the role that is most odd that it is a white person having. But then I was also like, maybe this is a thing. I mean, Japan and Russia are near each other. Yeah, you're right. I I know that there is, you know, lots of sort of imperial interference in things in Asian culture in general. And this is also the bad guy. So I don't think it's necessarily terrible to have like okay rather than have it mostly be a white cast and then have the bad people be the Japanese people to have the bad people also be the <laughs> yeah. white people um so and, they, and who was but that I don't actor know if, again Michael Shannon oh yeah 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 what did I just see him in because him and Logan Lerman are the oh, are yeah, the yeah, two yeah. Russians really um yeah. brutal I mean, deaths were you satisfied with the kills I thought the kills were fun. I loved the I loved the bad bunny fight scene at the beginning. I thought that that was a blast. Honestly, I think my two favorite. Well, the wedding scene definitely. I love the whole bad bunny arc, like (laughs) him arriving. The fact that he, I think bad bunny is so hot, but also (laughs) he he had like two lines in this movie. He He mostly just sort of like showed up and walked around. But the wedding, the wedding scene where everybody was just bleeding out of every orifice was incredible it sort of reminded me of the scene from the second season of american vandal where everybody's pooping on <laughs> <No>. everything <laughs> it was way more graphic and horrific um the so i loved that <laughs> that sequence was great i also really love the zazzy beats character who yeah. only is it has like one scene and basically her entire character is just that she it's good with poison, and she says bitch at the end of every <laughs> sentence that she says. But I was like, you know, for a role where someone is just, like, popping up and having one fight scene, like, this is creative and interesting enough that I'm uh, sort of intrigued. Yeah. I guess I would say, well, one thing, it was, like, the twins never dying or taking, you know, there were a few fake outs. Yes. Um, but the one character, bless her heart, Joey King, I that at was first the worst I was like, movie. okay, I like this twist. And, you know, it makes sense. She could be such a smooth killer because no one takes her seriously. But then it just, her interactions with the twins and then with Ladybug, I was just like, okay, this is so obvious. Like, why are we even pretending that this isn't obvious at this point? And I feel like it did a disservice to the other assassins that they didn't catch on faster than they each did um, because she ends up being able to murder. Does she kill both or no? She, she thinks she, yeah, 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 yeah. So she, she thinks she's she killed thinks she's Brian killed Tyree one, Henry. And then she, and then she tricks someone into killing the other. Yeah. But then the first one doesn't actually yeah. <laughs> die and kills her in the end. And yeah, I wasn't necessarily mad about the uh, plot armor every character had. Like, I thought it was kind of funny that they would so obviously be dead in any situation, but then they come back for a final hurrah type. Like, and they sort of address it even in the end when they survive this train crash. And he's like, what, really? Like, you're alive? Like, how did that? And then it's just like clearly convenient, but they they indulged in the madness that that would happen, that it it made sense um because yeah i felt like everyone was having a good time except joey king i just was not <laughs> the i have i have been you know formulating a theory on movies that i like and dislike oh okay recently and i feel like this has been percolating for a while and we've talked about it on the podcast but i think the whole issue of like campiness is something that i'm very into like i think that the movie either needs to be a 
like just very like artistically well done and sort of unimpeachable from like an arts perspective, like very serious, or it needs to be campy. I'm like, I can't, I don't like the space in the middle where it's sort of just like ho-hum, like not really doing anything. And I think that this movie is camp. Yeah, it's like the Mission Impossibles, where I think this movie like is very campy. It's doing a lot of weird things. The whole plot line where one of the characters is obsessed with Thomas the Train, and there's all of these weird Thomas the Train references that it's like, who understands these? Because I did not watch this movie (laughs) growing up. And I feel like the vast majority of viewers did not know what was going on with that. But I was like, the fact that it was just trying all of these weird things and some of them didn't quite work, but some of them did. I just found like entertaining the entire time. Yeah, I can see that. I think overall it was just a situation where they were too, like they, they made it last a little too long. Like each joke got extended like one scene too much it needed to be a little bit shorter yeah um i feel like if this movie had like this movie could have been like a free guy i think situation Mm, interesting um in how much i liked it right but i think it's like a couple notches below that just because it didn't feel quite as tight as like free guy did in the end um but like uh, Sandra Bullock showing up with this weird ass haircut at the end and also her the lighting on her in this or the like whatever they're doing to her face on this and also the Lost City I was like the airbrush people are working hard yeah I I could have done without her showing up in the end it didn't make any sense and she is not bringing energy I don't know what she think her like cool indifference is doing, but it's like it didn't match the, the film. Haircut. Yeah, it was just like give us a little something more. Like it's like you phoned it in from this. Like you, it was like a work from home shot. Like it just felt like she'd green screened herself in and just did the re- line readings like halfway through the day. Um, and same with um, like Channing Tatum. I don't know if he can only get cameos or he's only interested in like quick paydays, but I could have done without him. And also the twist with Ladybug and Ryan Reynolds showing up while funny, it just becomes this point where I'm like, I I have this resistance to the, what is it? Not nepotism, but just like the the congealed nature of these celebrity friendships where they all have to be a part of each other's work and like slap each other on the backs and just be like, whoa, I don't know. The the celebrity cameo is not a thing I can get behind unless it's Kevin Hart popping up in the rock movies. I mean, I think that a cameo is funny if it's like done in the right way. Yeah. Um, I wasn't too upset with either of these. I was just waiting for Channing Tatum to like come pop up at the end somehow or another like yeah. as an assassin like did you ever this was a terrible movie but did you ever see the movie killers um That's... it's like Catherine yes. heigl yeah and ashton kutcher right yes i think so and yeah. it's like these two assassins move to a town or something and then the the bit is that like every other single person in the town is also an assassin <laughs> and so even these people who you keep thinking like oh well this person can't be it's like oh no they're an assassin too <laughs> and i sort of wish that that had that they had played with that a little bit more in this because yes. i think it would have been funny if like like channing tatum and you know like the girl scouts and you're know, like some of the other people had been also assassins on the train yeah um which I thought is where it was going when it was revealed, like, oh, everyone left on that train is – or I guess he was – he thought it would just be the one person. But, yeah, it was just kind of like – I yeah, I wish they'd had either more sporadic fun with it or tightened what they already had. They had a lot of sporadic fun, yeah. I think, in the first half. I That's the thing is that – I'm not sure of the second half felt like they were really had to get to a lot of these plot points to connect everything. And I don't know if that was the book's fault or the movie's fault or, or whose fault it was, but it definitely needed to be tightened a little bit. Um, And I thought that it was weaker then, but 
I don't know. When do we think Sandra Bullock's last good movie was? Did we <laughs> talk about this with The Lost City? I pulled up her IMDb and she did Gravity in 2013. Loved that. And then her next movie was something called Our Brand is Crisis in 2015. I never heard of Which that. I never heard of. And then she's in Ocean's 8 in 2018 and Bird Box as well. But I feel like <laughs> but I feel like both of those were the phone-in performances. So I'm like, is yeah. Gravity the last time she was working? Like, did she get that Oscar nomination? And then she was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I've just, like, gotten sick of her shtick because thinking of those movies, she does have a similar sort of, like – Oh, like whatever indifference to her performances. Yeah, like, like she's sort of like the straight laced. Yeah. I don't well, know. This congeniality she's She's way more spunky and kind of yeah. fun in that and slapsticky. So yeah. I wish she'd have because even with something like Ocean's Eight, I expected her to bring more energy, but she just played it so straight that it's like why aren't you having more like i don't think the she... only person who was bringing any energy to oceans eight was Anne hathaway <laughs> yeah. and that must be- i honestly think that sandra bullock thinks she's carrying the like suave like cool-headedness of someone like george clooney but maybe it's internalized sexism it's just not reading the same and i want i want something more because even just comparing her like, sure, as a voice actor, as a, like, as sort of the um, voice in the phone style, it works. She has a very soothing energy when she talks. But when she showed up, I was just like, it deflated the film for me. Like, it just deflated the whole scene. And Brad Pitt is, like, someone who operates basically on charisma alone. Like, I don't know if we can call him <laughs> But it was just, like, a weird, like, Dichotomy Brad Pitt was there. so good in this. Uh, yeah, I, he's fine. Yeah. I thought he was very funny. I thought that his delivery was good. He's like playing a little bit of a schmuck. He, he yeah. is someone who I think does not take. I mean, maybe he, maybe in real life, he takes himself seriously. But I feel like <laughs> the the com- You know what? Now that I'm thinking about this, was this like produced by the same people who did the um the Lost City? Oh, I have no idea. Because Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt are in both of and are all in both yeah. of these movies. Yeah, there has I don't to be know. some kind of connection. They're just incestuous friends. Um, yeah, Brad Pitt also has an interesting career tra- trajectory where he's kind of given up on being like serious and he's just having more fun and kind of entering this era of maybe I'm on my last leg in Hollywood standards, but I'm going to have a good time doing it. And so he does have these more mm, peppy kind of like a lot of, uh, yeah, kind of slapstick body comedy, physical comedy sort of stuff. And I think it's like fun to watch. Um, I honestly... I don't I don't even want to get into controversial <laughs> opinions on Brad Pitt. I've never been like a huge fan. Like I think he he's never been someone who entered my radar as someone like, oh my gosh, he's so hot. Oh my gosh, I can't I'm Mr. Miss Smith, what a dream. Like, no, I've never felt that. Um, but I do like this later era of his work more than maybe his earlier stuff because he's given up on being like the sexy leading man and is much more just having a good time and I think that works for his talent level (laughs) I mean I think a lot of people have said this throughout his career that he's better off as like a character actor than he is as a leading man but he's just like was very attractive when he was younger and so he was sort of shoved in these leading man roles because I do think like that yeah a lot of his stuff recently that I've loved like he's so good in um What's the Coen Brothers movie? Burn After Reading. Like, he's so funny in that, but that's, like, not a lead role. I think he's good in Inglorious Bastards, which is a lead role, but is sort of more a goofy. Like an ensemble cast. Yeah. Um, I loved him, obviously, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was great earlier this year in The Lost City. I feel like um, Ad Astra is maybe the only reason oh, yeah. thing where he's, like, serious that I liked in it. But... Yeah, I mean, the stuff with Brad Pitt and Angelina and Jennifer Aniston. It is and, messy, and I and, do not like him as a human being. Yeah, that whole thing, I'm like, eh, but 
as an actor, <laughs> I think he is, I like his work and I feel like he has stumbled upon a good niche for him. And I also think that probably after winning his Oscar, he's a little bit less like uh, in the hunt for that. So he's more willing to just do random stuff. And, and his I'm production company, to his credit, does produce a lot yes. of BIPOC-led films, um, most of which he suddenly pops up in. But it's – I think that's an interesting part of his history too. Uh, do I wish he was a more present dad to the children he willingly adopted? Yeah, sure. I don't love his personal life. Um, yeah, but well, I think he's an interesting Hollywood figure that kind of has done some good. Yeah, I mean, it's like if you look at the list of movies that he's been the producer on recently, they're not – they're they're a very broad range and a lot of like smaller stuff. He was on Minari. He did The Last Black Man in San Francisco. If Beale Street could talk, yeah. I mean, then there's also things like Vice in there, which I don't love as much. Um, but like Selma, Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, he has. He's the producer on both She Said and Woman Talking, um, <laughs> which are both like, um. Uh, sort of uh, like Me Too yes. kind of yeah uh, st- movies that Social are going reckoning. to be yeah yeah big awards contenders this fall so yeah him as a producer is an interesting sort yeah. of um, vibe as well he's a complicated person it would appear <laughs> yeah uh, so all in all like now later never I think this is like watchable like it's fun if it's your jam I don't think it'll win over. Like, if you weren't a fan of Deadpool 2 or enjoyed your John Wick-style action, then I don't think this is going to suddenly transform you into a fan. No, but I think this is a fun, like, watch in the theater. We've been talking about how there's not a ton of stuff that's coming out the next couple weeks. And I think that this is, like, a very good time if you want to go see something in the theater. It's a fun spectacle um, to see on a big screen with other people. There's a lot of sort of, like, exciting kind of moments in it. And... Yeah, I like I enjoyed this movie as something to watch. I think that this will be a good movie, like a good plane movie. I feel like this will do well. This would be a good movie for like cable. I think I Mm. was as I was sitting there watching it, I was like, I think that this is something that if it did well, they could easily do a fun sequel to. I don't think it is doing that well. So I don't think that will happen. But I do sort of like the idea of like, oh, the next one, it's like a bunch of assassins on a cruise ship or something. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, You're if like, we got Lord, Death no. of the Nile after the train one, then I guess I guess that would be better. Um, yeah, but the train one wasn't that good either. Yeah, I know. So I'm saying like that can be the modern version. The universe. I do think this Brad is Cage. better than a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes, though. <laughs> Well, to be fair, Rotten Tomatoes isn't like, yeah, I mean, most people gave this a 5 out of 10, I think, was the average score on Metacritic, which if you're judging a 10 as everything everywhere and a 1 as QB Halloween, then yeah, I guess that makes sense. I think this is higher than that. (laughs) I feel like this is like a 6 or a 7 at the very least. Yeah, I think it just... It's trying a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really narrows in on its audience. So it's like a very niche film. And so if you're... Like, if you're someone Jungle like me, Cruise's score. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's better than Jungle Cruise. I will give you that. But um, I feel like Jungle Cruise had like a better had a better. Well, okay, but that. again, the audience for Jungle Cruise is families, and it's doing what it needs to do for a family film. Whereas the audience for this is hypercritical. Like, how does this bloody bludgeoned head make me feel? Type of audience. I'm just <laughs> very saying. polarizing uh, reactions to the amount of gory deaths. If witnessed. I was put in charge, Jungle Cruise had a 62. That's like a full 10 points <laughs> higher. And that movie was way worse than this. It was. You're not wrong. Um, I don't know another. I mean, I think, yeah. What What did John, what did um, Hobbs and Shaw get? What did Hobbs and Shaw get? Probably well, like 79. <laughs> This, I think, was a better movie than Hobbs and Shaw. Well, what did Hobbs and Shaw get? 
I don't, um, I'm looking. Okay, reception. Hobbs and Shaw also already has a sequel. Hobbs and Shaw got a 67. Yeah, that makes sense. It checks out. <laughs> I feel like this should be in that range. Listen, I think overall, there were pieces here that were working, but like I said, they just indulged in each joke, each set, like each character a little bit Hobbs too and long. Hobbs Shaw was also long. I'm, I'm not we, talking even about literal and we had seen I'm talking the about the entirety like, of Hobbs and Shaw. I'm talking about the, the amount of times. Oh, diesel. There's a diesel on this train. Like, oh, we yes, got the, the point. De- yeah, and so it's like, dial point. that joke yes, back. Like, let the joke that. land no. instead of spreading out everywhere. Agreed. So it was like, it was things like that. Like, I'm not even talking about technical time spent. I'm just saying, like, they never knew when to, when to end a joke, when to cut it. Because yes. they were having too much fun. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I'm sure, yeah, I think this was a divisive sort of like you loved it or you hated it type film. Um, and so the middling reviews, I can see why they appear, but I do see your point. Like it was, a, it wasn't the most painful. Ex- it was by far and away not the most painful experience at a movie theater I've had. So it is a good time if you like those sort of John Wicky, uh, Kill Bill type of violent comedies. Yes, so. and I do. <laughs> yeah, but so I don't. I'm giving, so. this, I'm giving this a two thumbs up. Go yeah. see it in theater. And next week, we'll be talking about another yes. violent comedy, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I swear to God, if this does not happen, I am going to – I think this will prove that we're in the set of Serenity. Like, I feel like I'm caught in some not sort of the, loop. Not Serenity, another great movie that I yeah. – If you don't like Bodies, 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 I'm going to be upset, and I'm just saying that right now ahead of time so okay, you can okay. go into that movie okay. with a positive mindset okay, okay, toward liking yeah, 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 it. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's been like four weeks in the making at this point, so I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for this. Okay. Sometimes you sometimes you're a bit of a diesel in the mix and come <laughs> out with a, a opinion that nobody wanted. I and... thought the one with the opinion was uh, Hank the Tank. <laughs> okay, shall we? We don't. We cannot be making references to Thomas the Train Engine. We did not watch that. Uh, which then they kept saying Thomas the Tank Engine, and I was like. That can't be what it's called in the U.S., right? I have no idea. I thought it was Thomas the Train. Anywho. Okay. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, We'll be back with Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Bye. (laughs) 